if I posted the real, real title, I'd start getting emails and concerns and all the Mishigasim. You'll see what I mean. Okay, first of all, good morning, everyone. Agfelichim, post-Purim world to everyone. The month of Adar is sponsored by the Aaron family in honor of their 20th wedding anniversary and Mikey's 18th birthday. Shachar and Alex Avram celebrating a year fulfilling the mitzvah of Yeshua Arts and their wedding anniversary. Joe and Jonah, <coughs> sorry. Joe and Jonah Brooke in memory of Chayalea Bas Yosef. Uh, Joe's mother on her 10th yard site. Also, Jonah's Abba needs a big before Shlema. He sent me the, the name. He's with him right now in, in, uh, in the East Coast. Brent and Jolie Eyes in memory of Zelda Reisel, that's Meir Chaim, Brent's mother on her 15th year site. Anonymously for the Rafua Shlema of Kol Chole Amo Yisrael. So today's Shir really is who are the Erev Rav of today? You understand why you can't really, you can't really, uh, <laughs> I mean, you could, but you'd get in trouble. But it's not really, it's so not problematic, and you'll see why. In order to understand what we're going to be doing today, we have to go a little bit different than we usually do. We got Shoshana, one of your Rebbe's, is here too. And source number three. We have to do some very important work today. This parsha of Parshat Kitisa always happens to be, to, to anyone that is kind of like, went a little bit asleep during Truma and Tetzave, and the beginning of Kitisa, Parshat Kitisa wakes you up because you can't just read the psukim of Cheta Egel, and be like, oh, so that happened, and right, that just happened. Cheta Egel, the sin of the golden calf, is something that always wakes us up. It always, the Mepharshim on it, always, always drive us to say, okay, look deeper into the sugya. What do you think it was really all about? What do you think was really going on? How do you understand how an Am that just experienced what they experienced can fall so low into, into putting together a golden calf? Always, this is like this. Hi. This is always, this is always like this. Um, and it's so interesting that no matter how many Torahs we have from the past, and how many things basically have like, how many good answers we've gotten from the past, it's like, it's, it's, never, it's never ever enough. It's never enough. We always need to understand it so much more, so much more, so much deeper. We're going to build the Mahalach of the Shir today. You'll see it's a little bit different until we get to Reb Tzaduk. But we have to see a few things that Chazal tell us regarding Chet Ha'egel, regarding the sin of the golden calf. And I think that it'll be, it'll be something that'll be very helpful for our understanding of relationships to rabbis and to tzaddikim. Very interesting. In a very healthy way. Look at this. The first thing we're going to see is there's a, famous, there's a very interesting midrash, which when it's read when it's read wrong, can lead people to really feel alienated and not, not, just simply not understanding. Look at this. The, the, the Midrash says, En dor vador notel egel. There is no generation, including our generation, that doesn't carry a little bit of the unkia. You see unkia on the bottom, mishkal mu'at. A little bit of weight from from the act of the golden calf, the ramifications of such an inyan, such a, such a backwards reality, weighs to, on, on, a little bit on every single generation until Mashiach comes. Exactly the bilbul, the confusion that, that the act of Cheta Egel caused is found, that confusion has had a, like a hishtalshalus. It's like, it's gone down generation after generation. Every generation, to a certain extent, suffers from the confusion which emanated from the act of, of Cheta Ego. That's what it says. Now, you could ask a Shaila and say, what did we do? <laughs> we have enough stuff on our plate. We have, you know, we have enough confusion. Why, why Cheta Ego as well? Why should we be responsible for the union of Cheta Ego every single door? I don't think this Midrash is saying you get that you're getting punished for it, I think he's just saying the reality of what happened with the golden calf kind of went into our spiritual DNA to a certain extent. So it's not anything that you did or didn't do. It is what it is. This is kind of like now mutba, which means it became into the teva of one of the milchamot, one of the, one of the things we have to struggle with in every single generation. It's not that we did anything wrong, us. I mean, we did... 
There's other things we could say are, are achrayut, but this thing of putting cheta egel on us is just explaining a reality as, inter- as opposed to dictating a, an endless punishment. Again, en dor vador she'eno notel unkiya mimaase ha'egel. Baruch atah adinah Elohim amelchalam she'akone edvarim. Thank you. So, how do we understand the weight of cheta egel? How do we understand this on the pnimiyas of it? the problem, really, with what happened with the sin of the golden calf. Hmm. This is like, it opens a whole world. This is a much longer shear than what we're doing right now. But it really is. Maybe we'll do it, maybe I'll add a little bit later, because there are a lot of pieces here that I think will be very helpful. But for now, we're going to go straight to the first time that we could think there's maybe a little bit of a smell of the root of Cheta Ego. And it's very... I hope you realize it's not it, 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 it's not really the root of Cheta Egel, but it can be interpreted as it, as one. And I feel so, like, not comfortable doing this here because Mama Rachel is right behind us, right? But this is the Torah. We have to learn it. Mama Rachel is very tzabrachim. She's very sad. And she gets agitated to the extent that she gets her husband agitated as well. At what point? When she goes to him and says... Kadima, what's going on over here? Get me children. Put it like that. That's more or less, let's, let's just cut right to the chase. What does she say to Yaakov? She says, Havali banim. So we learned earlier this year, Givaldi Gatara. I don't remember if it was here in, in Shul. But one of the reasons Yaakov Avinu told her, what are you kidding me? We're in Chutzlaretz. You think I can do these miracles in Chutzlaretz? There's no way I could do it in Chutzlaretz. That was one of the answers. That's our P, you know, so... Uh, uh, drash maybe here what we're going to try to understand is what was she asking him to do who did she think he was who did, who, did, who, did, who did Rachel think Yaakov was did she think he was human what do you think do you think, do you think Rachel thought that Yaakov was a human being or do you think he was, she thought that he was like I don't know godly greater than her definitely because otherwise she would say, I'm going to go directly with me, I don't need you, right? What else? What do you think she thought of who Yaakov Avinu was? By saying, you know, you got to make this happen. She may have understood him to be a certain type of tzaddik that we're trying to not connect to in this year. Okay? She may have thought that he's the one that basically decides what happens. Poel Yeshuot a miracle maker, and he's the reason when things happen good or things happen bad. Perhaps she sees that, maybe she thought, the only reason why Leah had children is because Yaakov Avinu was doing it. Maybe. Maybe, you know, think about it. Maybe she thought the reason why Leah keeps on giving birth is because Yaakov Avinu is sitting in a room late at night and he's banging against the, 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 the tent or whatever and saying, are you doing zgulas or... You got to do this, Hashem. And it's him that made it happen, right? So this is an amazing... This is a lot of the Pirush, a lot of the Rishonim have this kind of energy towards Rachel Imenu. And it's very much not our... The way we want to... We tiyachest to Rachel Imenu. So I brought up... I saw something from the Ramah. The Ramah, we generally know him as to be the one that Paskins in the, in, he's in the Shulchan Aruch, right? He's the, he's the way that the Ashkenazic world of Halacha follows, Right? But here, the Ramah is a book called Torah Taula, the Perush. This is an amazing thing. Ve'yadua she'rachel lo nishtatet. Nishtatet comes from the word of a, that she became fooled, like shota, right? She didn't get fooled. She Yaakov hua noten labanim. That Yaakov is the one that actually gives her children, even though the, the Pshat kind of says that. Havali banim. She says, don't, don't get confused. Rachel Imenu did not think that Yaakov Avinu was the one that gives her children. Ella, shekivna bederech em tsa'i. What was she looking for? A mediator. She was looking for the middle entity between her and God. avura. That there should be someone that comes and davens and begs on her behalf. She has the model of Yitzhak and Rivka. 100%. She, she has the greatest model. It's, it's Girsa the Ankusa. It's like, she knows what it's like, 
right? She knows what it's like. Her husband was basically produced, seemingly in a manner that would make it clear why she's saying what she's saying. Mm-hmm. She's saying, he's saying over here, Rachel knew that it's Hashem, that everything's from Hashem. So why does she say Havali Banim to Yaakov? Because she believes in his koach of being somewhere in the middle between her and Hashem. Now, is that wrong? What do you think about that? Is that wrong, looking for that mediator to be the one that can basically bring the tefillahs even closer? Halacha kind of established that when you daven with a minion, you have a shliach of the tzibor. You have a chazan. You have someone in the middle. I once heard the, the most beautiful parish of explaining why do you go to Rebbe's and give them your names and everything. It's very simple. We said it a few times. And this is very important. They'll help us with today. Why do you go to a Rebbe? Because a Rebbe is someone, hopefully for you, that really believes in God. Right? And you maybe don't believe so much. You have svekas. So you'd rather these names be by someone that fully believes in God when they're davening for them than maybe doubtful little you. The problem with that is that it belittles you. And you don't know if that moment where your God is on, your Hashem, you know, you're feeling on, maybe that moment is what's going to crack open the gates. But we, again, we understand this. The Dharma is saying, listen, Rachel, maybe she thought about herself that she was a Ktana Emuna. Maybe. But what did she know about Yaakov Avinu? He's stark. <laughs> He's stark. He, he doesn't have off days, he doesn't have godly off days. My husband, she says, my husband, Yankala, he is on. Ah, she knew him so well. For, you know, she knew him so well, and they were, they were together for so long already by then. And she saw what he went through. She saw the years of him being tortured by her father, and how he never, ever for a second thought that Hashem kind of forgot about him. So she says, listen, me in my private life, I'm, as, I'm, I'm on, I'm, sometimes I'm off. But him, he's an emtsai, because he's always on. So she goes to, she wants to go to the person she knows best, who happens to be the person that's always on, saying, act for me as my shlicha, as, be, be my rebbe. Be my rebbe. I'm, bring, I'm bringing you a kvittel. So, you know, it's, you ever notice that rebbes don't ever, like, really give back kvittels and say, why are you bringing it to me? You take it. Because rebbes understand that they're representing the, the, the real rebbes, the real, real rebbes. Okay, so that's the Ramah explaining Rachel Imenu's understanding of the role of Yaakov Avinu. But now we're getting to our Parsha. Now we're not talking about an individual. We're talking about the Am. There's a big group of people right now. And when it comes to the, after, the aftermath of Cheta Egel, Hashem Barach uses very interesting word. Very interesting word, which will help us understand Hashem says, listen to this word. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Leich reid ki shichet. Does anyone know what the next word is? Amcha. Interesting. Go down because your chevra started to mess things up. Suddenly they're not your chevra, Hashem. Your chevra, Moshe Rabbeinu. What's going on over here? So in order to understand this, we also know that there's a concept called Erev Rav. Who, who were the Erev Rav, the initial Erev Rav? What do we know about them? Egyptians. Who were they? The taggers, Nachon, they tagged along. They were interested in converting, right? They, but, I, but, anyway, but you have to say that, no, no. Yeah. Huh? Exactly, we're saying that with like, what do you call these? Quotation marks, right? They were, they were interested in, in... I'm saying that for people that are going to be listening. They were interested in converting. So they really had a really bad stench. Mamash. They, they mamash, mamash. You know, we, ha, we know that when it comes to Gerus, we have to be so makpid. We have a masora being very... In a loving way, but we have to be very makpid. And I, this was a fascinating shimush for me. The, the, two, the, the two years before I moved back to Eretz Yisrael, I was somehow, uh, I was learning, I know how, I was learning one-on-one with the head of, the, of a base in Los Angeles. 
and we were learning Aruch HaShulchan. We were, it was like a really an interesting and beautiful time in life, learning one-on-one with this. He, now he lives here. He lives in the bush. And it's Rabbi David Rue. If you know his wife, Nama Rue. Maybe they go by Rao? Is it Rao or Rue? Rue, Rue, Rabbi David Rue. He's my, he was my Rav. And, and we were learning one-on-one for a while. And he thought it'd be really good that I would also have Shimush. Shimush meaning... Uh, that it would be like hands-on also. You knew I wanted to go and learn and be a rub. So he said, you know, have, let's do some hands-on stuff with you, right? Some of it was pretty in- intense. Like every Sunday for a long tkufa, I was basically sitting on a, uh, a base din for gitten, for, for having to witness gets, or being a shliach to drop off a get. Why? Because the halacha is that the shliach, if, you, if it's a get through shlichus, the shliach can't end up marrying the woman that's being divorced, right? So how do you prevent that from happening? Yeah. You send a coin because the coin can't marry, can't, you know, gamkacha is also uh, to, to marry a grusha. My father was not happy that this was my Sunday morning activities <laughs> at the age of 19. It was not exactly like, didn't add to the reservoir of enjoying life and seeing the beauty. I saw, I tell you stories, oh my God, a woman one time, this is just, I have to get this off my, <laughs> one time, you know, a woman, it, I can understand this. Mamash, I can understand this. Some, some guy that was mamish, not good. He, you know, they come to a get, and he's saying her, okay, I'm sending you away, right? That's a very hard, hard thing to, um, to Makala. That's how it's, you know, it's, it's designed. Without getting too technical, I think. That's a very hard thing for a woman that, what, you think you're sending me away? I'm sending you away, Kilo, right? But that's not how it works. So, Mamish, in the Rav's office, he says, this is yours. And then she says, and this is for you. And she pulls out an egg and, you know, Mamish on his forehead, got on me, got on the Rav, got on the... A lot of these kind of funky... Anyway, you'll see where I'm going with this. So the Shemush, right? One of the things that we had to do also was to also sit on the... be abased in by Gerus, which is a very intense thing for people that are converting... And there was one beautiful, beautiful Mexican family that joined our chavra in L.A., the Happy Million. And it was a mother and two teenage, I think maybe two teenage children and one, one younger kid. And we had to, you know, for the bris and then for the tevila also, which, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but basically, or obviously it's nice-wise, but it's like you see a head come out from the water through a towel to be, to to be made that it was, that it was a tevila kshera, right? For because it's a man there, it's, right? But I I saw that moment of asking, like that second before they became a yid, are you mama sure, right? And I dive in from that moment on that Hashem, I want you to ask me that question every day, and I want to answer like this woman did. Yes, I would. Maca-. That moment of of that gerus. Instilled within me, like every day, more than any of the swarm I've ever learned, because you see it in front of your eyes. But there's a reason why we asked that Shaila a second before, because we have a history. We have a history. We have a history about this. We have a history that we even go for, much, uh, you know, further back in the recent history to the time of Yeshua, with conquering the land and certain people that also claimed that they wanted to join Am Yisrael. And unfortunately, later on, it caused, it caused trouble. So we have to be very, we have to have a lot of siyad dishmaya with these things. And on the one hand, be so infinitely loving and open-hearted. And, and in the same way, try to understand what this, the Torah telling us with the fact that the, the Torah tells us, Vegam erev rav ala itam. That's what the Torah is saying to us. Erev rav also left with them. The Torah could have said, Vegam hagerim alu itam. It doesn't. It says straight out. Erev Rav Allah Itam. Rav Shamshon Hirsch is not someone that we quote often in the Shia, although I'm sure you hear it a lot by Shoshana, because he's, he's, he's Mamasha, one of, the, one of the brains of all brains, and we should be zochit to learn a lot more of his Torah. There's so much in it. There's so much in it. He's going to help us here understand how the Erev Rav really influenced the way that the Am started thinking about Moshe Rabbeinu and the problematic relationship which could have really caused a lot more damage. Look what he says. Rabshan Shemafel here says like this. Hem lo ra'u be Moshe 
et osei retzono shel Hashem bilvad. Now he doesn't attribute this over here to the Erev Rav, but you'll see how it's connected. Am Yisrael t'cheta egel. Moshe Rabbeinu is doing this miracle, but can you imagine who Moshe Rabbeinu was for these Yidin? He was everything. He was everything. He was father, mother, brother, melamed, everything. He was everything for them. They were all like his children. He was Mamasha shepherd. They were all his children. But they didn't just see it, Moshe as being the one that does what Hashem wants. They saw in Moshe Rabbeinu that he was a person that with his koach he could lehatot. Do you know what that word is? Lehatot means to to steer direct Hashem's will. Hashem's ratzon. And with his koyach of Yeshus, of, of, of just who he was, he could laftiach chasut. Chasut means, you, you hear this today a lot in, in modern Hebrew. Chasut is like, what's that? Kind of, yeah. Basically, coverage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He could promise coverage. He's got it. He's got this like deal because of who he is. He could, he could, he could cover, right? It's a very interesting choice of wording here, right? right? So listen to this. In the eyes of this people, Reb Shanshon of says, It wasn't God that took Yidin out of Mitzrayim through Moshe. It's not the story. It was Moshe that steered, that kind of like guided the Ratzon of Hashem They saw Moshe Rabbeinu as being the cause for eventually the effect of God's decision to do the Geula. Now anyone that learns Torah today and learns Parshat Shmot understands that this whole idea of Geulah was revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu by the burning bush. Back then, how much did they know about the Moshe Rabbeinu's one-on-one conversations with God? If we know anything about Moshe Rabbeinu, humility is probably number one. Can you imagine him going up to people and saying, listen, do you want to know why you should listen to me? The living Lord revealed himself to me by the burning bush, not to you. Oh, and what did he say? He told me about this great idea. How would you didn't know? Moshe Rabbeinu was also, his questions by the, by the burning bushes saying, how am I ever going to give this over? I'm also kvad peh, I'm also like, you know, I have, a, I have a speech impediment. But also, who's going to actually believe that this, you know, that, that you have a, I met, the God, I met the living Lord, I met Hashem, and Hashem says to me, I have this idea for Am Yisrael, it's called Geulah, it's going to happen like this, and follow me. He's saying over here, Rav Shamsham is saying something very interesting. You have to understand how many of the people started viewing Moshe Rabbeinu. Not that Hashem said, I have a good leader with great qualities. He's going to be the one to redeem you. But rather, what Hashem ended up doing was because this great leader knew how to spin the wheel right. So it's not, is it denying the existence of Hashem? No. It's belittling, it's confusing. Just the word yeshus as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, but they, but, but they think this is like. Yeah. But that's how he's looking at this. Now he says there's a tikkun for this every year at Pesach. Why? Look at the bottom. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not in the Megillah. It's not in Megillah. Look where I am. My head is. It's not in the Haggadah. It's okay. On Purim, I was saying Haggadah. <laughs> Instead of Megillah, I think, once or twice. So now I was saying it like this. So he says over here, Abshan Shon is saying, this is exactly why Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the Haggadah Shel Pesach. Why? That we're not dependent, Ahmamish, the Litvaks having such a na right now from this word, that we're not dependent in the necessity 
of any individual, no matter what it is. doesn't mean you don't need a leader. But what it means is, you have Hashem. You have Hashem, and Hashem has you. And if Hashem wants to get a message, and if it, really, if you were that refined, right, it, you don't need, it says like this, don't depend on your warped understanding of the mediator. Don't depend on it, because it's, it could lead you to a very confusing place, which is what? That what ends up happening is only because this tzaddik was able to convince God otherwise, was able, able to steer God away from what he was maybe going to do. Now, we have a lot of problems with this. And the main one is a statement, tzaddik gozer kodesh baruch hu mekayim, Yeah? I'm just like, this is rolling around my brain, but like that, that word yeshus is like exactly the opposite of what we're, like the whole idea of a Rebbe is bitl. Right, so what you're going to a Rebbe for is the is the bitzel in them, not the yeshus in them. Right, you're going for the part of that Hashem right. shining through them. But but don't don't get hung up on this word because when he no, what I'm saying that they missed they're like confused, like meaning that's the I think no no I'm not understanding it. I just have to I have to clarify it. They're saying Reb Shlomo Hirsch is saying bekoach yeshuto they feel that just in the koach of how strong he is. And the koyach of like... Maybe that's a misunderstanding. That's for sure. Their mis- for that's what I'm sure saying. Is, is their misunderstanding. For sure. They don't understand. Right. It's the... So it's good to say. In the koyach of his ayn right. is what actually made right. him Moshe Not the koyach of his yeshus. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's say the Gemara. Yeah. 100%. So, but it's, it's just fascinating that this is how Rav Shem is saying that we have a tikkun for this every Leil Seder. Every Leil Seder, we, Moshe Rabbeinu is not there in the Agadah to remind us that what the... And this is really all smelling from the Erev Rav that it's not that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that convinced God to change his mind. Now, you could think that quite often when it comes to tefillahs. And I've quoted to you so many times the greatest 36 seconds I ever saw on YouTube. It was when Koran put out their sitter of Rav Soloveitchik's Torah, uh, Perush on tefillah, and they had a snippet of an audio of his, one of his shiurim, it's, his yurtzit coming up, Cholom at Pesach. Uh, and Rav Soloveitchik said that the same question of, like, when you daven, like, are you really davening to change God's mind? And what happens when, like, a decree is lifted from you? Did you change God's mind? He said, Mapitum. What happens to a Jew through tefillah is that they become a different person. So the gzardin that was on you is not on you, not because God lifted it from you, but it's because you're not in that same place anymore. You're in a different place. So what was on you there still is on, is there. But guess what? You're not there anymore. You've moved to another place. That's very important to understand, uh, you know, how we relate to tefillah as well. But obviously, there are a lot of sources, in Hasidut specifically, that, w- that don't exactly map it out like this, although they would all agree that it was Hashem's dream and Hashem's picture and story to bring the Yidin out of Mitzrayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest manik because of his nothingness, not because he was so big and powerful, which caused things to, you know, to move. But the role of Rebbe and Sadiq is very different in different Hasidic courts. Very, very different. But there was one court that didn't get confused at all with this stuff. And that's the court of Kotsk. Kotsk, Kotsk Rebbe. If anyone thought, if any of the Talmudim of the Kotsk Rebbe thought that he was into this stuff, that, you know, miracles, and he'd throw them out of there as fast as, he, as, fast as they could. The base Medrash of the Kotz Rebbe, he was Yonik, he received this understanding of the role of a tzaddik from his Rebbe, who received it from his Rebbe, the Yid HaKadosh of Pshischa, and the Chayz of Lublin. But we see, obviously, you all know that after Kotz, we have the world of Ishbitzer, and after Ishbitzer, we have really, Ishbitzer had three main Talmidim, his son, Rabbi Yaakov of Ishbitzer, and then he had Rabbi Label Eger, the grandson of Rabbi Akiva Eger, and then he had this tzaddik that we're learning from on this Thursday morning, Rabbi Tzadok Akoyin of Lublin. Now you should know, Rabbi Tzadok Akoyin of Lublin did not agree to become Rabbi until Rabbi Label Eger and Rabbi Yaakov Ishbitzer were both nifter. He would not set up shav. He would not, he didn't agree to anything. He had such mora. Mora Malchus, he had such reverence towards, towards where he came from, and the, he understood the role 
of the tzaddik as follows, that the Erev Rav comes and tries to mess up everything that could be so, so, so holy. And it even infiltrated into Chassidut. So this is an amazing piece. Look what he says here. Amru Chazal. It says in the Medrash, who actually made the Egel? It's like we make such a stink. Am Yisrael fell so low, fell so low. Am Yisrael, who made the Egel? Ha'egel ne'esa al yidei Erev Rav. The actual golden calf, those chever that came to Aaron Akoin, who did it? It was these Erev Rav. Now by then they were already very much mixed up within the Am, that it was very hard to say, oh, it's just this chevra, the taggers, the tagging along chevra that really didn't have, they just wanted to get out of Egypt. But they had no Indian with Kabbalah Satorah, they weren't part of the destiny of Am Yisrael. So, the, so this Medrash says, Ha'egel na'asa al yidei Erev Rav. Hem ha'nikra'im lechred kishichet amcha. Reb Tzadok says, when Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, lechred kishichet amcha, your chevra, to answer the question we had beginning this year, who's, who's your am? Amoshel Moshe, shu kibel otam kegirim. Hashem is kind of saying to them, this is your achrayus. You took them on as gerim, and did Hashem didn't want him to take the Arab route at the beginning. Nahon? Yes. Nahon? So he's saying, he's saying, he's saying, own up, Moshe Rabbeinu. Own up. amcha. This on you. Ki bnei Yisrael, bnei ha'avot, nikra'im am Hashem. We're not called amcha, uh, your people. We're called am Hashem. We're called Hashem's people. She'ikar emunatam ba'ashem itbarach. That their emunah is not in a... In a a real yid doesn't have emuna that it's the tzaddik that makes that that twists God's mind and changes God's mind, and he's the one that. That's not. He's saying, that's not a. That's a foreign concept. Rak Moshe hu amelamdam leze bilvad. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that teaches them alone. Uche pedagog, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that teaches yidin to believe in God, not to believe in him. If you want to say one thing about Moshe Rabbeinu, he would be the, the, more than anyone that ever gave over a Masoret, he would be the one that gave over to Am Yisrael to believe in Hashem and not put an ounce of energy in trying to convince them to believe in Him. God forbid. Now, you see how dangerous this is because this is, hap- this, this is happening everywhere. It happens, it's been happening for years where people realize, if I really, they, you could justify yourself, oh, you could fool yourself, and say, this is really L'Shem Shemaim. it's good for them if I just get them to believe in me and follow me, you know? You see this with false leaders, I mean, all the time. All the time, everywhere. But Moshe Rabbeinu is only teaching them this, that their emunah should be in Hashem, kepedagog hamegadel et ben hamelech. What's the proper, by the way, what's the proper uh, translation for a, ped- for a pedagogue? How do you explain that? Educate, nachon, just a mechanech. He's saying, what was Moshe Rabbeinu's thing? Moshe Rabbeinu is the mechanech of the Ben Melech. It's very clear who the Melech is, it's very clear who the Ben Melech is. What's Moshe Rabbeinu's role? I'm the, I'm the tutor. I'm the tutor, right? I'm the tutor. I'm the, I, that's all I'm, all I'm here doing is just tutoring the son and daughter of the king, the princes and the princesses. That was his whole Indian in this world. He knew that. Am Yisrael knew that. The Erev Rav did not know that. The Erev Rav, where do they meet Moshe Rabbeinu? At what point do the Erev Rav meet Moshe Rabbeinu? We don't know exactly, but if we had to guess, speculate, when do the Erev Rav come in contact with this leader called Moshe Rabbeinu? What's that? A little bit later. Probably, probably when the... I guess, oh, you're saying that's what you're saying. I would say... After it starts working, starts. yeah, I would say like after it starts working, meaning after, after people tweeted about it, right? <laughs> after word got out, like oh, it's working by this guy, like he really did, you know, his brother him and they went in there, they make alligators and you know, and then and then the, and then the makot itself, probably only after it started working, they're like, this is a good ride to join. It seems this this could be like uh, the winning ticket, you know, this is shayach. It seems like this. So that's, what I'm, that's what we're saying, is that the Masoret of how it worked until then was oblivious to them. 
different, different, different world they're joining. Lachen hem ravu im Moshe. Therefore, they, they were the ones that were also fighting with Moshe in the desert. Hem They allowed themselves to fight with this person. They didn't look at him as anything else. Uh, sorry. We, Am Yisrael, fought with Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? We allowed ourselves to fight with him because we didn't view him as uh, supernatural. We knew that he was. We knew that he was a human being. We knew that he was completely, you know, down to earth. Did you hear when Rav Ginsburg was here? What he wanted to call the shear, but he ended up not. He called it. He said, "I don't know who was still with him at the moment." He said this, but he said, "I was thinking of calling the shear Moses down to earth," but I thought everyone would think it'd be too new agey and, and whatever. But they, Am Yisrael, understood that Moshe Rabbeinu was, you know, with them in it. The Erev Rav viewed Moshe Rabbeinu as what? As a pharaoh with supernatural power. Exactly. Like a Khartoum or something like this. Right? Because you have to ask Yeshayah, like, how could it be? Like, at least, the, how could it be we were fighting with Moshe Rabbeinu? Well, because we knew he was approachable. We knew that he was in this world, right? Avala Erev Rav, meaning, while we're fighting with Moshe Rabbeinu, it's because we know we're, there's Hashem. <laughs> there's Hashem over us. Aval, next paragraph, Reb Tzadok HaKoyen says, Ha'erev Rav hemrak he'eminu b'Moshe. They only believed in Moshe. They had emunah. It's like, when they said Kriyas Yams of the morning, it says, Ve'yaminu b'Moshe avdo. Not, Ve'yaminu b'Hashem u'b'Moshe avdo. They only had emunah in Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because their only experience with, with, with spirituality was this miracle maker. Right? They didn't have anything else. They never had... They, never, they didn't have a moment of Vayizaku Vatar Shavatam Aleilukim. They didn't have any Masoret of a father telling his son, a mother telling their daughter, listen, Hashem hears you. Just cry out to him. Just cry out, right? They only come into the picture when they see this middle person doing these wonders. They saw the miracles he was doing. So they're called Benikraim Am Moshe Velo Am Hashem. You know what it could be here, Reb Tzadik is saying? That when Moshe Rabbeinu is told, Lech red kishichet amcha, Hashem's kind of giving him a little bit of Musa, and he's saying, if you would have pushed the God thing on them, <laughs> maybe it would have, you know, maybe you wouldn't have gotten stuck now with the Cheta Egal. But it's hard to say also, like, we, as if Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't busy enough, right? They're just materialistic beings. They didn't know Hashem. The way that a, that, a spirit, that a materialistic person achieves something, or gets something, is only when something can be seen in front of them. Only then they have an idea of what they want. A materialistic person. Right? They can only get what they want if they have a vision of it and it's in front of them. And we know, the first thing we have, by, by, by Har Sinai is, Lo Our thing is exactly the opposite. Amru, therefore they said, Ki ha'ish asher lo yadanu Now look back at the Pasuk in the Parsha. The Arab Rav saying, Ze ha'ish, this is the person he is the one that got us out of Egypt. We don't know now what happened to him. That picture we had in front of us, which enabled us to, see, to still be on a path of something, we don't have that picture. That person's not in front of us anymore. He's the one that got us out of Egypt. What are we going to do now that we don't know where he is? We don't know what's going on with him now. We need another picture. We need to, be put, to put something else in the frame. Because that's our only way of relating to anything. Again, the Erev Rav made of, they maybe had a good kavana somewhere. It could be they had a good kavana somewhere. Their experience of being on this journey was dependent only on what, how they knew to relate to big things. And the way they knew how to relate to big things was through enaim gashmiot, through materialistic eyes. And, and you know, now it's amazing, like when he said... Torah Tzaddik said this way like this, when I, when I read that Pasuk, and I wasn't thinking that it was, Amis, that it was Erev Rav, that it was Am Yisrael, 
It's a beautiful pasuk. Why? Kizah Ish. This is the person that Mamish cared for us so much to believe in Hashem. He took us out of Egypt while telling us to believe in Hashem. We don't know where our Rebbe is. But now he's saying it differently. He's saying, Zeha Ish. This is the cause that led to the effect of leaving Mitzrayim. We don't know where that cause is anymore. You understand how Reb Tzodok flipped it over? Did that make sense? Kizea Ish. It was all. He's the one that's a chray for the whole story. I don't know what happened to him. Reb Tzodok says, and they needed another picture to be to, in order to believe. Right? Because without a picture that's revealed to the physical eye, they didn't have any concept of how are you supposed to believe. I want to ask a very hard question right now. Are we the Erev Rav? Based on this last sentence, he said, without having something they could look at and see, they did not know, they could not believe in anything. So your answer is yes, we are the Arab. <laughs> Just in other words. <laughs> Sorry? No, no, I know, I know. Listen, I said, I, I said, I'm going to ask you something really. Whenever I say, I'm going to ask something really heavy, be prepared that it's going to make everyone feel vulnerable and bad for a few minutes. That's okay. Meaning, of course we're influenced. We're influenced. That's the whole point of Reb Tzadik is saying, of course we're influenced by this. Of course that, as much as we would love to say that our emunah is not dependent on anything. We're, because of our, our tzad gashmi, right? Because of our tzad of just gashmi, it's not the way Hashem created us. Of course we want something we could look at and say, you know, somewhere inside of us. However, the Torah of Hasidus, the Baal Shem Tov, is always guiding us towards a, a, a world where it's a tikkun for the Erev Rav, where really it does, it's Bermed Laiminu Hashem Moshe Avdo. Now, by the time of the Reb Tzodok, things got wild in Hasidus with, you know, People understanding the role of a Rebbe got really wild. Rebbe Tzedek is the end of the 19th century, right? By then, I mean, there was a lot of splits and, and, and rifts between groups, and it was mainly over this Indian of whose Rebbe is greater, right? And, and, and Kotsk and Ishbitz, Rebbe Tzedek, it's not, what are you talking about? Do you really think that's what this is about? So I think what he's saying without saying it, Mefurash, Reb Tzadok, and it's amazing that Reb Shanshar and Falhirsh and Reb Tzadok were around at the same time, but neither of them saw each other's tires. Right? I'm sure, I'm, I'm quite certain they didn't, you know. Actually, Reb Tzadok is a little bit before Reb Shanshar and but still, they, they, they didn't see each other's tires, but they're saying essentially the same exact thing. They really are. And Reb Tzadok is saying it in a very, you know, Sublime. He's not saying it straight out, but he's saying the moment that you think that it's dependent on how great your Rebbe is in order for things to change in your life, you're missing the point. It can't, you're, basically, you're, you're basically making a cheta, you're making your Rebbe into an ego. It's so deep, it's so heavy, it's so hard to really internalize this, especially when you, and you're brought up in a Hasidic court you know what the Rebbe is? I'm sure, you know, your Abba, in good times, were able to tell us stories about Satmar, how they view... We don't understand it today. We don't understand. Even those of us that are like Hasidic lovers and everything, we don't understand what it means to grow up in a Hasidic court with the Rebbe being the center of the family's life from the moment that you're born. It's a different thing. Now, it has... All the gedula and richness, you don't need me to be an advocate for being into Hasidus, right? Obviously, you understand that. 
But Reb Tzadok is saying, you can, if you lose Hashem in the picture, that's when things start to get messed up. And that's, I'm sure, in the Kav right now, so much of the sincere worry and concern of people like the Gaon of Vilna and Reb Chaim Velazhner and, and you know, the initial... 100%, we could totally understand it. Now, again, we're not saying that that is wrong. We're, we're, because there's, a, there's actually a, a, a whole tzad there that's, that's so gorgeous and beautiful, but it's only wrong when it's not v'yaminu b'Hashem u'b'moshe avdo. The Erev Rav see, oh, we could, you know, we could remove Hashem from the picture. This guy seems to, not higher than Hashem, but all we need to believe in him, and he'll just take care of everything because he's been the one that's orchestrating everything from, from a while back. That's Erev Rav, Reb Tzadok Akkoyin is saying. that as a development of Christianity that couldn't now handle the needs of their physical person, a Messiah? I would see it as a development of humanity as a, more than Christianity. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like you were saying, just because we're, you know, just mitzada gashmi, just, you know, just humanly speaking, I think that that's, that's, that's where things are. Yeah. It makes me wonder about what the, you know, the, how the tzadik, or the, the rabbi, or even Moshe Benjamin, um, perceive their responsibility to, to get themselves out of it, but to also see what's happening and like I wonder if it was like if it was the Anava of Moshe Rabbeinu that did he not see how the Arab Rab was relating to him or, or and good question and it's a good question about Hasidus very very good question I think that's why every real leader runs away from it in the beginning and does not want to be the leader like yeah. Moshe Rabbeinu <laughs> exactly he's trying to put the shlichus on someone else the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, we all know the whole year, a whole year after his father-in-law passed away, before he accepted the mantle of leadership. By all the big greats, it's the ones that's saying, this is impossible, it's not for me. And then at a certain point, I would say that they're even willing to take the task, take on the task, even knowing that what may happen is possible. And that's the way Hashem designed it. You know? It doesn't exempt the responsibility, but it's taken under, consider, under consideration when you take on the gig. Anyone that takes on this gig of, of like leader, spiritual leadership mm-hmm. has to like understand that no one is ever going to tell you when you do something good, but they're always going to point out if you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And Barach is telling amcha. You know. The mother of a family. <laughs> Only a woman can say that in a moment's year. A man can never say it in a moment's year. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the bottom line of here. We'll finish this. Bottom line is this Erev Rav didn't really have Hasaga and Emuna. Rak Badavar Hamuchash. They could only believe in something that they could sense. And, and feel something, something tangible. Something tangible. Now, is that their fault? No. No. Whose Ki'ilu who's fault is it? It's like, it's crazy to say this. It's Hashem's fault. The Chassid says it's Hashem's fault. <laughs> everything's Hashem. Like in, 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 in the MS of all MS, everything's Hashem's fault. Ki'ilu, right? What's not... But what, what do we do for it? What do we do for this lemaisa? I think it's a very, very powerful teaching and understanding of, of the role of leaders, of the role of tzaddikim. But also, in also, I, when I read this piece, I'm not like coming out of it and saying, "Wow, Hirsch and Rav are talking so low about erev rav." No, I think they're explaining humanity. Yeah, and I think they're explaining humanity, but why you need. Chassidus so badly as well. Because the, to- the, the Torah of Chassidus drives you to the place of seeing that Einod Milvado, no matter who's Ki'ilu, a mediator. And maybe that's what Yaakov Avinu was telling 
you know, Rachel, when he said to her, his response was, what am I like? You know, right there and making decisions? You know, So, or maybe he was answering by saying, actually, I used to think about this, like, it's not a question. It was a statement. He said to her, I am not God. <laughs> I am low, right? I am not God. You're saying, mm-hmm. Not, am I God? No, I'm not God, right? Whatever, that's a, also a way of understanding your Tzadokah Kain's famous statement when he said that when Kain killed Evel, and, I, and, I, and Hashem says to Kain, what would you do? Right? So he said to him, Hashomer right? Right? He was saying to Hashem, you're my brother's keeper. By saying, Hashomer Achi Anochi, am I my brother's keeper? He was basically saying to him, you're my brother's keeper, right? Everything's Hashem's fault. <laughs> but I, I, I'd rather be on the side of believing that everything is Kivyachol Hashem's fault than getting mixed up with someone that Kilu is God. I'd rather err on that side, right? The Erev Rav has no, have no understanding of Hashomer Achi Anochi, of Atachat Elokim Anochi. They don't understand that. They have, no, they have no idea of this. So again, there is a lot to build from this. I know we don't have that much time. And, and this is a very rich piece. There's a lot to work from this piece. But it definitely brings us into the story of this parasha, of Chet Egel. I think with a, with a very profound understanding of how could it be, like when you hear a parasha, avort this Shabbos, and it starts by saying... Sometimes we're so high, and then we're so low. How could it be? And how do we go from such a high place to a place? Well, that's a great drasha, and it's, it's true for a lot of different shiurim in life. But it's not necessarily true by Parshat Kitisa. Because by Kitisa, the ones that brought out the Egel Azav were not the people that were flying high, witnessing the oneness of God for a year. And especially Sivan. What's that? And they didn't fight the Egypt, the Egyptians. Oh, so this is how Rabbi Tzadok Okoyen is saying. So this, that's why I said before, that stench is very contagious. It's very, very contagious. Very, very contagious. So we're only learning about it so that we don't identify with it, Khalila, but that we understand this way of thinking of, if, you know, Hashem, you want me to really believe in you, like, you got to give me a picture, Right? Whenever you, you got to give me a clearer picture, as much as we think that would satisfy our soul, it probably really wouldn't. It would satisfy our goof. For a minute. For, and even that's for a minute. Exactly. And even that's for a minute. Nachon. Nachon. Just for a minute anyway. But what would satiate our neshama is so much deeper than anything that can be seen by an eye. Right? And that's our goal. And we should get there. And hold on to our emunah stronger than ever. Amen.